and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, got a couple things we want to uh, discuss amongst the conversation, hoping to get to the, it seems like it's getting worse for veterans in our country today, especially when it comes to housing and other things. So we want to talk about that. Also, uh, Dr. Drew came out with some information about marijuana and psychosis and then some other things if we can get to it. But what I want to start off with is something that I found very interesting that came from Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster, the actress, perhaps you've seen her in any number of movies, not to be confused with Helen Hunt. But Jodie Foster says, according to the headline, Lesbian parenting complicated son's understanding of masculinity. In case you did not know, Jodie Foster is a lesbian, as it says. She has two sons, Kit and Charles. I guess they're in their 20s now. Uh, She was uh, married to Cindy Bernard, and they broke up. And then I guess Jodie Foster got together with a photographer, Alexandra Hedison. And so these two boys, Kit and Charles, have grown up, I guess you could call it three tri-parenting maybe. I don't know if the original marriage had co-parenting as far as the legalities of it. But again, so two boys raised by basically three women. And so Jodie Foster said, growing up, according to Jodie Foster, talking about her sons and their experience, she says, Growing up in a lesbian household confused her son's sense of what it means to be a male. Okay, not too surprising. And it really has nothing to do necessarily with the fact that Jodie Foster is a lesbian, except with the fact that you have two boys growing up in a household of women. Okay, women parents. And if you want to take the LGBTQ thing out of it and just say women parenting, you know, women raising sons you know, you get something very similar as well. Now, she said that uh, her two boys do not like sports. Instead, they'd watch movies. You know, they'd sit at home, and I guess they were really into their female friends, so perhaps they did not have too many male friends around, which could also contribute to this, I guess, confusion when it comes to what it means to be a male. Um. She goes on to say that her boys are super feminist. And there was a moment that the older son, when the older son was in high school, because they were being raised by two women or three women, as Jodie Foster says, it was like he was trying to figure out what it was like or what it was meant to be a boy. Like, what is it to be a boy? He was trying to figure it out. And she could see this because she talks about this in an interview. Foster said watching TV led her son to conclude that being a man meant I need to be an a-hole. That's all it is. I just need to be an a-hole. Emulates what he sees on TV and then acts that way. Goes on to say that, uh, so, quote, Foster said watching TV led her son to conclude that being a man meant, quote, I just need to be an a-hole. 
I need to be shitty toward women. And then Jodie Foster's response was like, no, that is not what it is to be a man. Not really sure how she knows because she's not one, but I'll go with it. I'm not going to criticize her for that. But she's bringing out the fact that, yeah, you do not treat women as a-holes or shitty. Um, and that he went through this phase for a while, and then I guess eventually at some point he got out of it. But apparently the oldest son was treating his mother really bad, and she was like, you won't be talking to me like that, Foster said. So it's not too surprising that you have here two men now in their 20s, and one of them in particular that she references, the oldest, going through a period of time where it was confusing to be a man. In this day and age, like currently that we're living in, there is absolutely no doubt a lot of confusion for young boys. They're influenced by women everywhere, and a lot of them do have an agenda. You have a lot of teachers. We've talked about it on the show. A lot of teachers are women. A lot of teachers don't really relate to boys. I've seen and witnessed myself in the education field teachers not being able to relate to certain boys. Obviously, the ones that just sit there quietly, do their job, uh, the lessons, the schoolwork, things like that that are calm, the teachers have no problem with. But it's the problematic ones, the problematic ones that are high energy, the ones that maybe can't sit still, the ones that have active imaginations, the ones that like to play video games and do things that boys like to do. Because if you haven't noticed, despite what society says today, there is an absolute difference between boys and girls. See, today we're taught that there's no difference, that you could be one or the other. You can go back and forth. You can be none of them. But deep down inside, nature says you're either wired this way or you're wired that way. Now, you can pretend if you want to that you're something that you're not. I mean, there's people that are pretending to be animals. There's people that pretend to be whatever. There's people that pretend. Elizabeth Warren, a senator from Massachusetts, pretended she was Native American for all these years, claimed it, and then it turned out that she wasn't. Or how about that one lady, I think her name was Dozell or something like that, who pretended to be black all these years and became a president of a college or something like that, and then it turned out, no, she's just white. So again, there's a lot of people that will pretend to be a lot of things, but you can't deny who you really are. In fact, LeVar Burton, he was the actor from Roots, black actor, was in Roots. Apparently, he did a, like, uh, a special for PBS where you kind of like go and track down your heritage. And apparently, his great-great-grandfather was white because his ancestors were slaves and apparently... Somehow there was a, a situation with a relationship and his descendant is a white male. I knew another gal actually sat in a restaurant and did person by person. She's Hispanic from Mexico, Spanish, and traced her roots to Mary Todd, Abraham Lincoln's wife. And so as you follow the lineage we were able to connect her person by person to she was she was a relative or she's a descendant of a cousin of Mary Todd from Kentucky. So and then what about uh, George Lopez? George Lopez did a DNA test and it was revealed on like one of those shows that um, somebody did at one point, kind of like the Kelly Clarkson, Ellen DeGeneres shows, but it wasn't wasn't one of them. 
one of those shows from long ago, that he was like 50% plus white, Caucasian. So if you look at the world and you take a look at who we are through the annals of time, I'm sure there is a lot of racial connection, ethnic connection. You know, if you want to call it race, skin color, there's a lot of connections and a lot of mix going on because of how society is, because how culture is, because how mankind is throughout the years, especially when in the U.S., well, you could take slavery, for example, and you have slaves and their owners probably having relationships. You had um, now throughout the course of time, you've got a lot of mixed families, right, of all cultures mixing and blending together. I mean, Vietnam, the Vietnam War had a lot of blended families come from that, blended cultures. So when it comes to that concept, you can have a lot of different uh, combinations, relationships, whatever you want to call it, that will produce a combination of offspring. But when it comes to male and female, the so-called gender, you can't mix, you can't change it up, you can't have two, three, four things. It's male or female, that's it. And if you want to keep religion out of it, you can look at biology. If you want to bring religion into it, you can look into Genesis. God created man and woman, Adam and Eve. Okay, so now we get to Jodie Foster, who is in relationships with other women, and she sees the ramification of her sons, especially the oldest one, not having a male role model. So what does he do? He emulates what he sees on TV. What does he see on TV? Something that's not very good, at least according to the eyes of Jodie Foster. A-hole and shitty toward women. Okay. So she's like, no, you're not going to treat me that way. Well, if that's all he knows, if that's all he experiences, if that's all he sees, that's what he's going to emulate. And that's what we see today. We see a lack of father figures. We see a lack of fathers, a lack of father figures being instrumental and being a part of their children's lives because it does affect uh, girls too, daughters not just sons, but it also affects daughters. But in this case, we're talking mainly father-son, male role models, because that's what Jodie Foster is referencing. So you're going to emulate things you see. Now, what are the biggest influences? Well, TV is one of them. Social media is another. Maybe the, the people around you. If, you know, you see an abusive father, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, an abusive child becomes an abusive parent because that's all they know, right? Um, if you're watching stuff on TV, you can emulate that. Apparently, you're not watching Tim Allen and Last Man Standing. We used to be able to say Cosby Show, but apparently we can't reference that now because Bill Cosby and his uh, crimes that he committed, allegedly. Um, but so, who are you going to emulate? And that's where it's important for boys to have male role models. And unfortunately, nowadays, that's becoming blurred too because the John Wayne, or if you remember the Marlboro Man, the cigarette guy, that guy that was up on the billboards, you know, or the James Dean, you know, these all-American guys are deemed toxic. You know, now if you're not wearing skinny jeans, drinking lattes from Starbucks, then you're toxic. We can't have that. You know, Top Gun 
the new one or the latest one was huge at the box office. A lot of people went to uh, to see it to watch it. Right, just goes to show you that that all American type man, that masculine man, is still desired by people in this world, even though society or culture or the influencers might tell you otherwise. So now you've got these kids and Jodie Foster witnessing it and seeing it, that absent father equals what do males do? How do I act? And that's why you're starting to see a lot more men become feminine. That's why you're starting to see a lot more men do other things that are becoming more and more acceptable from a feminine side. Maybe that's why we have a lot more transgendered people. Because again, you've got the influences of people telling them. Here's an example. I knew a kid that was in high school, and I was not in high school, but it was uh, I was uh, part of a baseball team. I was coaching high school baseball, and I heard this story where this boy, I think maybe sophomore, wasn't dating anybody, and a girl asked him, how come you don't date anybody? And he's like, I don't know. And she said, oh, it's probably because you're gay. And he's like, okay, I'm gay. And apparently he went on to live a gay lifestyle because some girl, sophomore year, told him he was gay. Influences. Now, I don't know whatever happened to him, if he's continued that or if it's changed, but influences. Influences are big, especially at the impressionable ages. When you're young, when you're growing up, when you're trying to find yourself, middle school, high school, trying to fit in, trying to be a part of the group, trying to be a part of everything, those influences matter. And if you want to be a part of the in crowd, so to speak, you're going to take on behaviors and attitudes and mindsets and theologies and ideologies to fit in. And not realizing that, hey, maybe this isn't right. Maybe this isn't normal. Maybe this is really toxic. Maybe being raised by three women is going to be problematic for young boys because they are not going to know how to act like a man. They're not going to know how to treat a lady because they see it on TV and they become a-holes and shitty toward women, quoting Jodie Foster. And you can look it up too. And apparently this phase went on for a while. So men, it's time for men to step up. It's time for men to take an active role in their children and in their sons specifically. And if the father is absent, then perhaps if you're another male family member, maybe an uncle, older cousin, maybe you can step in. And see, it becomes a a dangerous thing because you've got the gangs, for example, growing up in L.A. You've got the church. Okay, I knew a kid growing up in the inner city that it was either the Bloods or the Crips, whichever one could get their hooks into him. He was a black kid, or it was the church. So he's being pulled in three different ways. The church won out, and he started going to church, avoided the gangs, and now he's coaching football, and he's doing a lot of good things, being a mentor and influencing young men himself as a football coach. But what if he got into the gangs? Probably dead. In fact, He was telling me a story where he used to uh, not run with because he was in the gangs, but before the gangs and this kind of intermediary period of being a child and figuring out which direction he's going to go in life. um, There was that one guy, I think his last name was Williams. I think they called him Touchdown Williams. The one that threw the brick at Reginald Denny during the riots of the Rodney King riots. Okay. He knew him. He knew these guys. And that's what you're looking at. So unless men step up, unless male role models step up and aren't afraid to push back against this 
woke narrative of what it is to be a man and show them and demonstrate them, demonstrate to them what it means to be a man, then these guys are going to be confused and all they're going to do is emulate what they see, emulate what they see on TV, what they see on the internet. And I'm not talking just social media. What about adult websites that they might be watching or adult movies that they might be witnessing or other mistreatment of women? And they think that's okay because that's what they see. And it's not okay. It's not okay to be abusive. But then what happens? Well, then you see the news, this whole Epstein list thing, the biggest potential human trafficker in the history of the world, and we're covering for people. We're covering for people that were abusive to women. We're protecting them. So then you start to see things like that. and like, oh, okay, I can get away with it. Or athletes. How many times have we seen an athlete or celebrity do something? And they get away with it. And they think it's okay. So now they're going to emulate that. And then they get in trouble. And because they're not an athlete or celebrity or someone of importance to society or pop culture, then they end up getting penalized for it, prison, jail, whatever. So it is a big deal. And the reason why I bring it up is because Jodie Foster is probably one of the most uh, or is a liberal elitist from Hollywood, and she witnessed it, and she talked about it in a podcast, talked about how she noticed that her boys were super feminist, fine, had female friends, fine, raised by women, okay, but wait. They didn't know what it was like to be a man, and they were trying to figure it out. And so by watching TV led her son to conclude that being a man meant I just need to be an asshole. I need to be shitty to women. And that's a quote from Jodie Foster. And she's like, no, that's not what it takes to be a man. But on the flip side of that, it's good for Jodie Foster to step up and say that's not what it's like to be a man. But then you got to take it a step further. How how is he going to learn? Okay, that's not the behavior. Okay. Well, then how do you emulate proper behavior? How do you show or demonstrate proper behavior, what it's like to be a man? I've told this story before, but it was ingrained in me to to be a gentleman, open the doors, uh, be polite, respectful, things like that. So I was entering a store, it's a bookstore, and I was in um, Okoboji, Iowa, opened the door and I held it open for somebody a lady to walk through and she looked at me and she said, I can get my own door. Okay, whatever. So then I perusing some books and the lady drops a book next to me. So I was just told that a lady can get her own door. So I wanted to see what this lady would say. Cause I was curious. I could have easily probably gotten down and picked it up, but I wanted to see what was going to happen. So I just stood, stood there reading the book, perusing the book that I was looking at. And so the lady kind of waited, looked at me, and I just kind of, you know, ignored her. Just kind of was doing my thing. And then she looked at me and said, a gentleman would have gone down and picked up that book. And I said, well, that's nice to know. But I was just told when I was holding the door open for another woman, another lady, that she could get her own door. That's where confusion can come in. One person gets mad at you for being polite. Next person gets mad at you for actually not doing anything. Because there is no, sure, you can be polite and pick up a book, but there is nothing that says that I have to do that. It would be out of the kindness and goodness of my heart that I would do that, but I was curious to see what the response was, and that's what it was. So, man, it's important to step up. 
It's important to step up and be male role models. Demonstrate what it's like to be a man. Show them what it's like. And do it in a way that is proper and respectful. But see, a lot of times now that's hard to even come by because a lot of people don't know what respectful is. They don't know what proper is. And that's where society is going. Society has no truth. They have no honesty. They have no ethics. They have nothing. Just look in the news every day and the people that are supposed to, whether it be politicians, whether it be law enforcement, whether it be whatever, clergy, the church, everybody in those positions obviously are dealing with issues. You can look at the uh, Catholic uh, church and the abuse, sexual abuse that they uh, that came out years ago that was ongoing forever. What about the Boy Scouts? These are supposed to be institutions that are supposed to raise up men, but they were abusing them instead. Schools, how many times can you open the, a newspaper or look on a website, a news website, and see a teacher abusing a student? And it goes on and on and on. So in this society that we live in today, in this culture that we live in today, where we're trying to Actually, we're not trying. We are effectively doing and putting in place things to destroy the male gender. The biggest thing is, first off, if you survive pregnancy, then they're going to push the trans ideology on you because that's a multi-billion dollar industry now. If that's not it, they're going to call you toxic, call you woke, white supremacist, chauvinist, and all these things. And so it is difficult. And so if you are someone that understands what it is to be a man, if you are one that understands what it is to be respectful, polite, a leader, things like that, and you can find somebody that will be able to, that you can mentor, whether it be coaching, whether it be something else, big brother program, whatever it is. You can have a major impact on somebody's life by just demonstrating and showing what it is. I can't tell you how many times someone has come up to me and has questioned or asked me something based on my actions just from, I guess, observing me in public. And I just tell them that's just how I was raised. And then they're telling me, well, you got good parents then because they raised you right. And that when you say raised you right, I understand what that means. But a lot of people nowadays don't understand what it means to be raised right. I mean, take a look at the numbers. Roughly one in four U.S. children are living in fatherless homes. When you compare several dozen studies conducted from 87, 1987 to 2022, a nonpartisan research institute found clear correlations between children raised in fatherless homes and developmental challenges raising from bad grades, anxiety, suicide, violent behavior, drug use, and criminality. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, approximately 18.3 million children across America live without a father in the home. Again, one in four children without a father. 80% of single-parent homes are fatherless. Children with uh, an actively engaged father perform much better in school. 33% less likely to repeat a class. 43% more likely to score top grades. I mean, all the information is here. 
It talks about the effect of absent fathers being staggering with children, having far worse overall mental health and behavior. You're starting to see an uptick in mental health, right? I mean, mental health is starting to become on the forefront of what we talk about. A lot of it stems from maybe the pandemic, thinking that that was a major cause of it, and it probably was. But what they miss out on is the mental health and the behavior of students, of young boys, let's put it that way. But I mean, school, students, bad behavior because of a lack of a father figure. Or maybe the father's around, but maybe he's high or not a part of the family. Uh, Fatherless children, especially sons, burdened with lower self-esteem. And again, sons, daughters, it's the same. But because Jodie Foster Foster, uh, talked about it being her son in an all-woman parenting situation. We're kind of focusing on the sons. But again, the daughter's the same thing, self-esteem. How many people do you know? How many how many stories have you read or heard of people engaged in the uh, sex trade, whether it be a stripper, adult entertainer, whatever, started out with an abusive father, an absent father, and an abusive father figure that put them down that path. It became so cliche, which was sad. But it was so true. Low self-esteem. They don't understand why their fathers abandoned them. It's the biggest question. Why? Why did you leave me? Other emotional problems, anxiety, social withdrawal, depression, on and on. Risk of suicide increased. Other self-harm. Drug abuse. According to the Department of Justice, even though kids growing up without a father is only 25% of the population, according to data from the DOJ, 63% of youth suicides occur in fatherless homes, 85% of children with behavioral disorders. So if the father is not around, your child is probably going to have a big problem in life with something. And it might be more than just emulating what they see on TV and being an a-hole to women. The link to crime and incarceration is clear. Some data suggests that fatherless kids are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. 71% of teachers and 90% of law enforcement officials state that the lack of parental supervision at home is a major factor that contributes to violence in schools. So you see these violence in schools, maybe school shootings, and right away everybody blames guns. And sure, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. But 71% of teachers, 90% of law enforcement state lack of parental supervision at home is a major factor that contributes to violence in schools. No one ever talks about parenting. In fact, schools are talking about keeping parents out of the classroom, keeping parents out of the lives of their children, the students. That's where we're at in society. A 2022 Rasmussen poll showed that 84% of Americans believe a strong family is the foundation of a strong nation. That's a Rasmussen poll just not too long ago. 84% of Americans believe a strong family is the foundation of a strong nation, and yet our leaders are doing everything they can to destroy the American family because of this very reason. They also believe that parents bear the primary responsibility for raising their children, 84% of Americans, or at least they should, according to this. But parents, the iPad, the TV, those are the type of things that are raising our kids. Social media is raising our kids not the parents, and it's something that needs to be addressed, something that needs to be focused. Because, again, roughly one in four U.S. children are living in fatherless homes, 
And 25% of the population without a father equals 63% of youth suicides, 85% behavioral disorders in children, 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. And 71% of teachers, 90% of law enforcement say that lack of parental supervision, major factor that contributes to violence in schools. And Erasmussen poll, not too long ago, states that 84% of Americans believe a strong family is the foundation of a strong nation and that parents believe or that parents should be the ones, they believe that parents should be the ones that bear the primary responsibility for raising children. So fathers, it's time to step up. Fathers, it's time for you to take an active role in your children's life. It's time for you to do what you're supposed to do and be a father. It might take sacrifice. It might take time away from some of the things that you want to do for your own self. But if you're going to be a father, it's going to require you to be an active participant because the child is better off. Now, Dr. Drew warns about pot. Yes, marijuana, which is becoming legal more and more every day, has this to say about pot. When this first came up, according to uh, Dr. Drew, if you don't know who Dr. Drew is, then you probably live under a rock. I remember listening to Loveline on K-Rock in Los Angeles, a radio station, and that's where I first heard about him. But he's an addiction specialist, a doctor. You've seen him all over the place. I think he even had or has his own TV show. Uh, But Dr. Drew Pinsky, uh, he said on a uh, podcast or something that we were always aware that cannabis was associated with psychotic episodes. When this first started to come up, I guess, in the medical world about psychosis and marijuana, they were skeptical, according to Dr. Drew. But um, but they always knew it was kind of there, apparently. But the previous suspicion for the psychosis was that primarily people who were sort of heading that way already, like you already had mental health issues, you were already maybe schizophrenic or something like that, and then you would engage in smoking marijuana. The correlation was, okay, if you're smoking marijuana and you have some psychosis, some some psychotic episodes, well, you're probably already going that way anyways, okay? So there's already a precondition existing before you were taking marijuana. But according to data from recent analyses and studies, people who have had at least one psychotic episode after using cannabis are almost 50% more likely to develop schizophrenia bipolar disorder, and even run the risk of suicide, especially higher for teens and young adults. So he goes on, particularly in the states where it's legal for recreational use, the concentration of the cannabis is so spectacular, it's approaching 100%, that literally it's a different drug. It has a different effect on people. So as it's becoming more and more legalized, apparently the drug is changing which then, of course, has a different effect on different people, obviously. And now, very commonly, he says, they're seeing hyper, hyper, uh, hyper remissus. 
people that develop these vomiting episodes that are uncontrolled. It's very common from weed, he continued. And psychotic episodes have become increasingly common to the point that they're actually kind of characteristic features to the psychosis these kids are getting from the weed. Now, a lot of uh, doctor talk, psychosis and hyperemesis and things that I can't even pronounce. But it comes down to this. What Dr. Drew, who is highly respected in the medical profession, what he's saying is that you're starting to see more and more mental health issues associated with cannabis and smoking weed. Now, I know a lot of people out there are going to refute this. And last time I talked about it, I talked about the legalization of drugs in Oregon on a podcast a while back and how it was a bad thing. And even though um, Oregon legalized the drugs, it's the problem has gotten worse, not better. And now they're thinking about, you know, taking away those legalization laws. Uh, but Oregon's got a real mess because they legalize drugs. And it's a real problem up there with addicts everywhere. And some of the comments I got, the feedback I got from that was, you know, pretty negative. People calling me out saying, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, these are the people that are obviously smoking weed and probably having a psychosis hearing me talk about it. But it is nothing good comes from it. Please explain to me something good that comes from smoking weed. Now, granted, there has been some evidence, perhaps, of people that have had different types of ailments, maybe uh, whatever. They've been diagnosed with something, some sort of medical condition, and marijuana has helped them, and that's great. You've had people that have had seizures, suffer from seizures, and apparently, I don't know firsthand, but apparently by smoking or maybe even uh, having cannabis or CBD, it calms them down. They don't have seizures. Uh, and other things like that, okay? So granted, there could be some medical benefits to it. However, just like any other drug, for example, oxycodone, painkillers, right? I've got a surgery. I've got post-surgery pain. I want pain go away. I get prescribed a drug. Has a purpose. However, that a purpose becomes abusive or addictive and we abuse it. And so now a lot of people are hooked on the narcotic that was prescribed to them. Now it's a bad thing. So the same argument could be made about CBD, cannabis, whatever. If you think it's a medical thing, and that might be one thing, but the same thing that is helping you can also harm you. So now Dr. Drew is demonstrating or showing that there is data coming out that psychosis, mental illness, and weed are becoming more and more intertwined. A 2017 American Journal of Psychiatry, a study found that the risk of developing bipolar or schizophrenic disorders was highest for cannabis users ages 16 to 25 and had greater influence than alcohol, opioids, amphetamines, and hallucinogens. That's 2017. That's not that long ago. Uh, when the article came out, which wasn't too long ago, probably from the time that I'm actually having this initial conversation with you, um, there was an analysis from Truveta that spotlighted the rates of cannabis use disorder diagnosis, that cannabis use disorder, that diagnosis was higher than 50% 
in November of 2023 than compared to the same time in 2019. There was also a nearly 50% increase in the number of cannabis-related emergency room visits. So just in a four-year span. So it could go back to then what is becoming legal is now becoming more and more potent. I mean, we've got a fentanyl problem in this country that is out of control, rampant, and nobody seems to care. Now we've got something that's less subtle in the form of marijuana and psychosis, mental health, and again, nobody seems to care. And from 2017, 2019, most recently, Truveta, there's a lot of studies and data that have come out to show that the numbers continue to increase dramatically. 25 uh, U.S. states have decriminalized and currently recognize marijuana as a recreational drug, which Dr. Drew Caution can open doors for easier access to young adults. The young adult mind, they say, doesn't become fully developed until you're 26. That argument has been used in several things, many things, okay? Um, and it's also been dismissed in many things. For example, it's been used with guns, okay? At one point, the legal age to purchase a gun was 18. Then governments, state governments, decided that, oh, 26, the mind's not fully developed until then, so you can't uh, have a gun. we got to change the age limit to 21. So they changed the age limit to 21 before you can purchase a gun. However, when it comes to voting now, there's some places that want people voting at the age of 16. Okay, you can argue that. But most importantly, now they're saying that, oh, and what about alcohol? You have to be 21 to to drink, right? Because you're not old enough to handle the effects of alcohol legally until you're 21. Okay. But now they're saying that it's okay for someone 12, 13, 11, 10 to transgender, to have body surgery, you know, sex change operations, body mutilation surgery. They're okay. They're old enough. Really? See, and that's where the hypocrisy comes in. If the if someone is saying one thing for this category over here, oh, you can't be, you have to be 21 to get a gun because your brain isn't fully developed until you're 26. You can't handle the, the, the responsibilities of XYZ until you're this age. But then they turn around and they take something far more serious, something that can't be reversed. And they say, oh, they're old enough to comprehend and understand this. The hypocrisy. And what we're seeing here in these results from these different surveys, tests from the American Journal of Psychiatry. I mean, that sounds like the Bible of psychiatry to me. That study found the risk of developing bipolar and schizophrenic disorders was highest for cannabis users ages 16 to 25 when the brain is developing and had a greater influence than alcohol, opioids, amphetamines, and hallucinogens because it changes the way the brain is. Everyone was, you know, kind of the, if you want to call them the vaccine paranoid with this mRNA and altering your DNA and stuff like that, you kind of dismiss that. Be like, oh, they're just vaccine people, crazy conspiracists, right? But here you've got a study from the Bible of psychiatry. And then another one, 
talking about how disorder diagnosis are up more than 50% in the last couple of years. Emergency room visits up. And Dr. Drew opening, uh, cautioning, saying that it can open the doors for access to younger adults. Nothing good comes from it. I don't care what you say. You will never be able to convince me that something good comes from the use of cannabis. Again, there might be some medical applications, but taking too much aspirin or over-the-counter drugs can be bad too. So these people that sit there and get wasted. Now, I'm not a medical professional, but having worked in education, having taught classes on a college campus in Los Angeles for a number of years, I have witnessed time and time again, student upon student upon student that was on marijuana, using marijuana regularly. You can smell it when they come in. I would befriend them on social media and I'd see them partake on social media. For some reason, smoking a bong on social media was cool at one time. And they do it right before class. They do it right before they get in the car. They would do it on the ride home. I've witnessed it. I've seen it. Facts. And I've witnessed and I've seen their work diminish. I've had to tell several students, if you're going to smoke, smoke after class because it affects and impairs you. There was a simple assignment that a student had to do or the students had to do. It was a simple editing, audio editing thing. And for those of you that might be familiar with, familiar with audio editing, you had one piece of audio. Basically, you had to make a splice or make an edit cut. This is all on software, so it's real easy. Just set your mouse and hit, you know, split, S for split. Put your mouse here, hit S for split. Now you have, instead of one piece, you have three pieces. Take out the middle piece, delete it, hit delete, and then bring the two together. That was it. Pretty simple. One, two, three, four steps. And so this one gal was absent that day, so I let her stay after class, thinking this would take her probably five minutes to do. 30 minutes later, I'm still sitting there watching her do this assignment after I demonstrated it and fully explained it to her. She was high. I know this because I popped onto her Snapchat, and when she rolled in late to class, she was in the parking lot smoking a bong. So I know she was high. And the processing of the information led to I don't know what in her mind. And whatever it was, the end result turned out to be nothing that it was supposed to be. And it was all garbled nonsense. And I asked her, I said, so you're good with this work? She's like, yeah, this is good. Good work. Failed it, of course, because it was nothing that it was supposed to be. But with digital audio editing on the computer, it was a four-step project. And she turned it into a 30-minute thing because she was high. And I've seen other people do that. That was an extreme case. I've seen other people whose performances have been less than spectacular, less than good, less than average because they come in high. So I've seen it. I witnessed it. Just like we can see when someone comes out of a bar, how much they've probably been drinking, right? Because they're staggering all over the place. Now, that's not always the case. Some people can hold their liquor. Some people probably can hold their pot. But again, we've seen it. And so as Dr. Drew warns, about 
how pot and mental health, psychosis, is becoming more and more entwined, becomes more problematic for society. And then people like myself as an educator have to deal with it, like the police have to deal with it. So is it really a good thing? So again, I would ask you, what good thing comes from somebody? And let's just take the medical thing out of it, okay? A recreational user, what good thing comes from it? Please explain it to me. If I started, well, why would you convince me? What would you say to convince me are the benefits for me to start smoking pot or eating it or whatever you do to ingest it? I know some people start to vape it or whatever because the water vapors are better than the smoke. And then there's the edibles and all kinds of stuff. But why? Why would I do it? Can you convince me? Because nothing good comes from it. And I don't care what you say. You will never be able to convince me. And you will never be able to convince Dr. Drew that it's a good thing. Especially when you take that medical component out of it. And even then, I would kind of question that. But I would leave that to the experts to figure out and try to see. And if it does work, hey, that's fine. If it eases chronic pain, that's good. Then maybe it should be under the care of a real doctor, not just these fake doctors on Venice Beach that hand out cards, or at least used to because now I don't need cards anymore. But maybe where you need, where you live, there's a medical card that you need to get cannabis. Maybe we should have real doctors prescribe real script for cannabis or CBD or whatever, if it's helpful in the medical world and not just leave it to these strip mall shops that you go to and have some dude or lady behind the counter that's high herself recommending you what you should have and not have. Would you be willing to pay $550 for 90 minutes so that some person a pet psychic therapist can tell you what your pet is thinking. Apparently, this one particular lady has a list of 7,600 people on a waiting list to talk to her or to bring their pet to her so that the pet can tell the shrink or the psychic what the Psychic can tell the owner. Can't make this stuff up, dude. These must be the people that smoke pot. People book sessions with animal communicators to unravel behavior issues, to learn about preferences for end-of-life care, and when the time comes to make sure their pets are enjoying the afterlife. But increasingly, pet psychics say the questions are as simple as, is the cat happy? What more can I do? One uh, Pennsylvania woman, Nikki Vascones, a former lawyer, started working as an animal communicator four years ago. So how do you become an animal communicator? How do you become a fraud? How do you, how do, how do you go from lawyer to fraud? Because there's no way this is real. I'm telling you that right now. She says during a phone session with a client, oh, I guess you can do this over the phone. She uh, was connected. She says during phone sessions with clients, she has connected with hundreds of house pets including dogs, cats, turtles, in addition to horses, cows, pigs. The camel and the bearded dragon were one-offs. Sessions are 550 for 90 minutes. She says she has a wait of more than 7,600 people. Pet psychics can use energy to contact animals, 
no matter how far away the animals are or whether they're still living. Not surprisingly, however, there's no science to back this up. Shocking. Supposed to believe the science, except when it comes to pet psychics. You have to have faith, not just that your pet has decipherable thoughts, but also that those thoughts can be understood telepathically by a human being. So again, what makes Vascones, Nikki Vascones, able to communicate with her, with an animal, my, my animal, I don't have a pet, let's say I did. What makes Nikki able to communicate with my pet when I can't? Paranormal investigator Joel Nickel told the journal that pet psychics would work much the way as human psychics work. So again, they're both frauds. Don't believe me? Check this out. He's a big fatty. And hi, Leo. This is Leo. He said, tell her not to say that. Tell her, he actually, he said, tell her not to call me that. That's to call him Leo? No, fatty. Oh. <laughs> you know, I had a dog when I was a kid, and I looked at the dog, and it's like a dog. You know, the dog's an animal. And uh, I never thought of treating the dog as an, an, an equal in a way. Let me get out of here. He has a communication to you. I hear an animal the way I hear anybody I'm having a conversation with. When they say something, they're saying it, and they're saying it with specific words and specific attitudes. <laughs> Could you please tell my owner that I am not going to die? So I don't know if you have oh any- Oh my God, that's so weird. He's escaped twice in the past, this year, in 2016, and like over, has caused overwhelming panic attacks for me. He's funny, he said, tell her she has to accept me. He will pat at the door, and I, there's times that I've been with him and I'm like, okay, where, like, where are we going to go? You know, I'll he let just him. wants the option. He, he just, just wants the option. I had the door open the other day when I was bringing up groceries and he like came out, but he didn't like run down the way he normally does. He just like came out and was like looking outside and I was like, okay, I respect you. You respect me. Like we have this like understanding now. She, she um, really wants somebody to help her. There's certain energy that's kind of stuck in her body and her nervous system. Mm. I just want to see if I can't move it out a little bit. One of the things that I do with animals, I call emotional clearing, and it's basically moving energy. So I transmute energy blocks that I uh, can feel in an animal, whether it's in an animal's body or mostly in their emotions. And in moving the energy that was stuck, a lot of times they have a realization that uh, comes with the release that they have and they lighten up. Do you know what her background is? No, we, she, they just said they found her on the street. Because I'm hearing her say like she was used as bait. I don't know. Like That was something I thought too, because she's so small and she's so skittish. You know, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I really, really am. And she said, you know, sometimes other dogs make me nervous. Yeah, for 550 bucks, I can make stuff up for you, for your pet too. The problem that we have in society today it's not bad having pets, but I've talked about it before. I've done a podcast on it before. If you had a stranger, human, and your pet, pet cat, pet dog, pet bearded dragon, pet camel, but you had your pet and a stranger, and you could only save one, who would you save? And throughout the entire podcast, everything that we presented, 99% of the people would save their pet. Let the human die. And that's sad. That's sad that we've gotten to the point where in society we value pet life over human life. You know, we're going to save 
the pet. I get it. People get attracted or, I mean, uh, attached to pets, and that's fine. But we've gotten so far. I mean, in the dead of winter, in massive snowstorms, you've got these dog breeds like Pyrenees and Huskies and these snowbred animals that are just living their good life out in the snow in sub-freezing temperatures, enjoying it. You're seeing videos all over social media. The owner's like, hey, come inside, come inside. And the dog is just completely ignoring them because the dog is bred for that cold weather. They'd love it. And you have people on social media demanding that they bring their dog in because the dog's freezing, because the dog is this, the dog is that. The dog's doing what's supposed to do. But see, we have elevated animals based on our emotions and our humanistic whatever. And that's not what it is. Animals have their own instincts. Animals have their own desires. They have their own things. It's obvious that they have their own likes and dislikes. But to sit there and say that you can communicate with them, she said she hears voices, distinct words, specific words that the pet is telling the psychic. I mean, that's just nonsense. And people buy into it to the tune of 550 bucks. It's unbelievable. Your cat wants me to tell you she's not going to die. When? Today? Ever? And see, that's the thing that we've talked about. I think we've talked about human psychics too on the show. But when you go to a human psychic, they're going to tell you one thing, and then you're going to go out and try to make that come true. You're going to meet the man of your dreams, the woman of your dreams. And now you're out actively trying to fulfill that. Because it was dropped into, that seed was dropped into your psyche. And now you're going to try to act it out or prove it or whatever, have it come true. But for people to sit there and say that pet psychics are real. And for pet psychics to, you're going to pay someone 550 bucks. I mean, look at what we're doing here. We've got kids growing up in fatherless homes that we talked about. And they're... 65%, 85% more likely to commit suicide, have mental health issues, end up incarcerated, have other disorders, and so on. Jody Foster said, my son didn't know what it was like to be a man, and so he'd emulate what was on TV, and he became an a-hole. Then you have people smoking marijuana, and all of a sudden now there's a psychosis link. Mental health issues are rapidly growing with that link between mental health and marijuana, especially in kids 15 to 25 or something like that. And now you've got people going to a pet psychic, paying 550 bucks for 90 minutes for that pet psychic to tell you that your cat or dog wants you to know this. I mean, where have we gotten in society? It's completely gone insane. Lunacy reigns supreme in society. And think about all the good, for 550 bucks, think about the good you could do with that money. I don't have time right now. I'm going to probably bring it up next time, but I wanted to talk about uh, the homelessness, veterans homelessness crisis, seeing the largest spike in 12 years. Could you imagine 550 bucks to a homeless vet society? What that could do? A homeless shelter for anybody. Even for an animal shelter. You know, you're so into pets. What about a veterinary, uh, a veterinarian making a donation. I don't know. People, it's, you know, got to go get your pet fixed at the veterinary hospital, right? That's just as expensive. They have pet insurance now because it's so expensive for the animal. 
So there's all kinds of things you're gonna, but you're gonna spend 550 bucks for some shrink, some whacked out uh, wackadoodle to tell you that your dog is upset with you because you feed it Perina dog chow instead of something else. It's a crazy world we live in, and it's getting worse and worse. And unfortunately, it comes down to the fact that animal life is being elevated, human life is being disregarded. More people are into the animals, Mother Earth, climate change, than they are with mankind, with humans. And that's what's sad. And something needs to change. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Hopefully your passion isn't paying some nut job, 550 bucks to talk to your cat. Hey, check out our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. You can uh, click on the different banners. So in this case, click on the picture, the show logo for Two Steps Head Podcast, and all of our shows pop up. We have video and we have audio. So on the video page, you can click on it and watch it, or you can go to our Rumble page, which is connected to the website. There's an orange banner that goes across the page. You click that, takes you to our SoundCloud page, for the audio portion, so we have video on Rumble, on YouTube. We have audio on SoundCloud and anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts. I mean, you name it, Edify, we're pretty much everywhere. You can do an internet search of TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and our show pops up on the internet feeds pretty much everywhere. If you want to check out our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Of course, everything is TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Um, you can also, uh, on our website, you can also go to the Listen Live in the upper right-hand corner, and we have a live streaming 24-7 radio station that plays some cool music, plus some podcasts and other things. Uh, there is a swag shop, so if you want some cool merchandise, you can go to the swag shop and check out what's there. Um, so the website has a lot of nifty things that you can uh, check out and explore and and entertained with and then of course our social media facebook instagram and everything is two two steps ahead podcast hey suri hey google hey alexa play two two steps ahead podcast and our show pops up there as well if you want to email the show you want to reach out i always like to invite you to reach out if you have something and you don't know where to turn to uh you need help with something you just want to talk to somebody um you can send me an email TWO, two steps head podcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, instant message me or whatever it is, DM me on social media. Um, but reach out. Let me know what's going on. Um, if you want feedback on the show, if you uh, need help, you want to get connected with somebody, if I can't help you, I may know somebody that can. I can connect you together. So that way you can uh, basically you just don't have to be alone. You don't have to go alone. I or somebody will always be there with you along your journey if there's nobody else for you. And then finally, fathers, time to step up. Men, time to step up. Time to raise up a next generation of man that's going to take care of mothers, daughters, spouses, the world. Be leaders. It's time for men to step up. Again, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion Make it happen. Let yourself be great. I'm signing them. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.